Hello, and welcome to the world's only movie podcast, actually, Best Choice Movies. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Chris Chafin. And I'm the other host of Actually Best Choice Movies, the only podcast. It is the only podcast. Caleb Shively. It is cool that they made up a device and a word just for this show that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a bizarro situation because in reality... There are about 45 bajillion podcasts. Yes. My dog just got a podcast. Oh, Dog with a Pod. Yeah. I think oh. it got optioned into a TV yeah. show already. That, yeah. was, that was Dog with a Blog. They make actually a Dog with a Pod. No, I don't think so. I think that's an original idea we just had. Oh, no, wow. No. Dog with um, a Pod. There's also a, a Disney uh, Channel show. There's a TV show you can watch called Dogs with Jobs. Where it's, Dang. it's really just documentaries for children about dogs that oh. like mostly that sniff drugs or bombs. It's actually really alarming to watch. Uh, I know about it's not uh, relaxing at all. I know about uh, Paw Patrol, which is some uh, heavy heavy header shit for amongst preschool crowd. Yes. So um, <laughs> I forgot that we were doing a podcast. Uh, it's, it's about actually, movies. It's not about movies. Shows. Yeah. It's it's called actually Best Choice Movies. ABC Movies. Every week, me and Caleb talk about two different movies. Both of them are good movies. One of them is new. One of them is old. This week on the show, we're covering uh, The Art of Self-Defense and Junebug, which are linked by an actor whose name I cannot pronounce, and it's probably going to be an issue. No, it's not. It's uh, Alessandro. Alessandro. Nivola. Nivola. That's very easy. Okay, you got it. Yeah. All right. Alessandro Nivola. Ass Nevo. Um, no, now I'm going to think Ass Nevo every That's a time. dope nickname. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, Caleb, what's been going on with you this week, doggo? Oh, uh, well, I came back from Richmond, Virginia. I would like to shout out my friend and Jenkins, but... I saw movies outside of that. Mm-hmm. On the uh, airplane? Are these going to be airplane no, I movies? Did, I didn't watch, actually. Uh, it was uh, short flights. Um, mm-hmm. They were showing us on the air, airplane, but it was like not long enough to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did watch one movie because it was very hot this weekend <laughs> in the world. Uh, so I st- stayed home. And it it was uh, Regarding Henry, which is a, oh, interesting. a Mike Nichols movie starring Harrison Ford. Right. Uh, and it paired well because... Uh, before we even decided this, like uh, earlier in the week, I watched another Mike Nichols movie, uh, Wit, with uh, Emma Thompson. Oh, that's like a much newer movie. Though. Uh, it was like 2001, yeah. The, yeah. Regarding Henry's like in the mid early 90s. Yeah, like uh, 93 maybe, I'm just yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah. 92. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike Nichols, terrific director. Everyone should go like eat up that man's filmography. Uh, but yeah, both these movies, uh, I watched the Mike... Nichols patient double feature uh, regarding Henry Harrison Ford gets shot in the head yeah, right. and becomes a it's nice a person. hearted movie where yeah. a guy gets shot in the head. He's a dick lawyer and then he gets shot who uh, robs patients basically and he gets shot in the head and he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, and it's so very, very, very good. I have seen like bits of this movie. I remember it because my dad was a lawyer or is still a lawyer. And so when I was a little kid, I was like, oh, that's like my dad. But then I was like, well, I guess not really. Because <laughs> this guy's like much richer and much meaner than my dad. Um, but I remember at the time it was like the way it was regarded, if you will, sure. was it was like a drama for adults, kind of like a weepy thing, like remember what's valuable about life, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, rich baby boomer, like, don't forget what it's all about. Oh, man. yeah. Uh, like, so- that was kind of the vibe of it. You did it. Are you my mother? <laughs> I can read. It's not Henry. I feel sorry for it. Sarah. This is Ajax. That's- 
and it's Harrison Ford uh, going anti-gruff. He's uh, very sentimental. It's his um, he's like a child disability movie. He's like yeah. a child, right? So a lot of the heavy lifting has to go to his wife, which is a very young Annette Bening. Not right. super young, but she's great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other movie I watched, which is 2001, was Wit. It was an HBO movie that Mike Nichols directed. Uh, it's basically Emma Thompson gets cancer, but it's plucky about it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's just she's great. Is that movie from two thousand one? Yeah, really? right. That's so long Oof. ago. God, I, did you hear me? I it's on tape. I oh my god. First of all, I said on tape. <laughs> I said that's new. Oh my god, yeah. that's the way I react to things that are eighteen years mm-hmm. old now. Uh, uh, that's really fucked. In up. the newer stuff, I watch. I watched a movie uh, called Little Woods from which came out earlier this year. It stars uh, Tessa Thompson and Lily James, who uh, rock the shit out of it. They're very good in it. It's called Little Little Woods. Woods. Yeah, uh, they're uh, it has um. Winter's Bone vibes. They're drug dealers in the in the Dakotas. Uh, Tessa Thompson, who I always liked, this is I would say the most acting I've seen her do in a movie. Uh, she's very very great. I like her. Um, so the, are we talking the most acting by weight or the most acting? Yeah, by she's like length she's in or? she's in, in most scenes. Like I I don't I'm trying to think of other movies I saw her in, which are just like Thor and other things of that ilk. Uh, where she's supporting. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, she's so she's always supporting and that's stuff. True. I've seen yeah, her. that's true. Um, but yeah, she stars in it. She's great. Um, and I also saw, there's also James Badge, uh, Dale Badge is in Little Woods, and he's also the star of this next movie, which I loved, uh, Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Uh, it's I can't from... you watch so many movies. Good Lord. Four. Four in two weeks. Four, not, and not, <laughs> not including the two. Oh, that's true. Six in two Six weeks. Six in two weeks. That's and I think one I watched something every else other I day. Remember, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's normal. Uh, Standoff at Sparrow Creek is amazing. Uh, it's amazing because it's a very disturbing premise, uh, there's a shooting and this militia uh, comes together and is like, uh, wait, that was one of us who did, and then figure out, oh, that was one of us who did it. So it's like that, this militia, like mass people who are capable of mass shooting, like talking amongst themselves, which one of them did it, like trying to figure out who did it. So oh, it's like wow. these very disturbing individuals. Wait, what's get, the name of this again? Uh, Standoff at Sparrow Creek. It's from XYZ uh, uh, Films, which... Uh, uh, Dragged Across Concrete, concrete uh, uh, Bone Tomahawk, uh, they did those movies. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 Bad uh, Boys, They're, they make movies for Bad Boys. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I just really liked, and it's very dialogue heavy, uh, which thankfully because the uh, I don't, you want to see the gymnastics that these people's brains do of like how they <laughs> do it. And also the cast, uh, uh, Patrick Fischler, who I, I've always mentioned yes, I in this movie. Ooh, uh, I get to find more yeah. Patrick Fischler yeah. clips. You're in both dreams and you're scared. I get even more frightened when I see how afraid you are, and then I realize what it is. And some other character actors, all character actors doing it. Um, I forget his name. It's going to bother me, but oh my gosh. The one of the great movie scenes of our lifetime is in the Coen Brothers' uh, old Co- No Country for Old Men, where Anton Chigurh uh, asked that old guy, to oh, flip sure. a coin, and then he doesn't kill him because he guessed right. Mm-hmm. That old guy's in this movie. He's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Stand Up Spare Creek, seek that out. I liked it. Chris, did you see stuff that you would also like to talk about? Uh, sure. Uh, these I won't say that these movies were fantastic, but I it is a story that reflects well on me, so I'm happy to tell it. Oh, yes. Um, so Go this ahead. week, I unusually were at a moment where like things I'm sincerely interested in and uh, the popular culture are kind of meshing, which is like rarer and rarer so for me these days. So Comic-Con happened this past week? Yeah, well, that's not <laughs> it, but that is part of it. Um basically I started following this guy on Instagram called Fred North. If I talked to you about this guy before, Mm-mm, no, no. So Fred North is a, a very prolific Hollywood helicopter pilot, a uh, 
a stunt pilot, a camera, like a helicopter sure. camera pilot, and also an aerial coordinator, which means he figures out most How of the stuff. How old is he? He's been doing this for a long he's time. He's not that old. He's oh, in what? his like 40s, I think. So he's been doing it probably for a minute, though. He's been doing it, yeah, since uh, his first credit is 1995. Wow. And that's, uh, he's French. That, that was Those were French movies. But basically, he does all the um, photography and uh, some of the stunt piloting for uh, of many different franchises. Uh, the Transformers movies, the X-Men movies. He's done a couple of Marvel movies. He's done like random comedies that just have a helicopter shot of the city or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he also has been doing the Fast and Furious movies since 2008. And nine. Damn. So I follow him on Instagram. He's actually kind of a helicopter influencer on Instagram. <laughs> He's got like 140,000 followers and he just posts like pictures of him flying helicopters, you know, and videos of him flying helicopters. It's pretty cool. Uh, so he's also doing the helicopter shit for Hobbs and Shaw, which is coming out uh, in the future as we record this on August 1st. Yeah. And so I'm writing about him for Vulture. So I, oh, inter- I interviewed him for Vulture uh, and I haven't turned in the draft yet. So maybe it could go terribly and I'll edit this out. But um, he <laughs> basically, I, I uh, had to talk to him, which was cool. He was shooting in Thailand and like that's neat. But uh, I, so I watched two Fast and Furious movies. I, I don't actually really watch those movies very much. Uh, they're good to look at. Um, they're fine. I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like don't pay attention to the story. Pay attention to the, the, the wonderful stunts. Yeah, uh, exactly. Amazing stunts they do in that movie. Yeah. So I watched Fate of the Furious, and then I watched uh, Fast and Furious because for some reason I thought those would be the good ones to watch. Uh, I think I, I think five. I don't know the names of them. Five is good, and I think it was seven. Yeah, was seven. Charlie, I had seen Charlie most Theron, of. Maybe? No, it's. Eight is the one with Charlie oh, Theron. Okay. So I had seen most of seven. That's the one where they have a big Vin Diesel and uh, Jason Statham have a fight where they have like giant wrenches that would you would kill a person with one hit, but they have like a 15 minute fight scene where they're smashing each other with these wrenches. And so anyway, that was interesting. You know, I don't watch those movies very much and I was basically watching them to look out for aerial photography and stuff. But you know what Fred said to me that was really interesting is the reason that they hired him was not for anything you would necessarily think of as being aerial photography, but it was more that he can film car chases. And he's also very good at filming car chases like in a city, which is apparently really hard. I mean, and that makes sense because there's buildings everywhere and you could crash into them with your helicopter and you have to get really close to the car with the helicopter. So like that's when you just see a car speeding down the road, sometimes that's not another car behind them. It's a helicopter. Oh, wow. That makes sense. Flying behind the car while the car is going like 80 miles an hour. Damn, that's some level of coordination and great camera work. Yeah, he was really interesting. Look out for that in Vulture.com. That's enough of that stuff. Uh, So this week, the first movie is, uh, you know, I do this thing all the time where I say the year, but it's always the year that is this year. Although I guess we could keep doing the show many years. Yeah. So let me say it's 2019's. You can add the the month. (laughs) Yes, it's July 2019's The Art of Self-Defense. I'm taking my first class today. Your new white belt? Is that the first belt color? White is before color. You haven't earned color yet. Today's lesson. To kick with your fists and punch with your feet. That makes perfect sense. Good. Jesse Eisenberg brings his trademark brand of vulnerable menace to Riley Stern's new dark comedy, The Art of Self-Defense. Eisenberg, who's maybe best remembered for playing Mark Zuckerberg as a prickly antisocial jerk, is perfect for the movie that looks at the wayward aggressive nerdiness that's taken over discussions of what it means to be a man in 2019 uh, and the culture of ridiculousness and, you know, menace that that's created, which can spill over into real world violence. Uh, So in the film, uh, Eisenberg plays a lonely nerd 
Bird, who's brutally mugged late one night. Uh, when we hear a news report about it, they call him a dog owner because that's the most notable thing about him. Uh, he's rattled by the attack and he looks for a way to feel manly again. First, there's this, I would say, funny scene where he tries to buy a gun, uh, but then he sees a TV ad for a local martial arts dojo. Uh, intrigued, he joins and finds himself in an increasingly laughable and brutal situations. Uh, it's an interesting look at isolated men seeking structure and the terrifying ways they can be taken advantage of. Uh, I do have a lot to say about this movie, but Caleb, what did you think about it? Oh, uh, it's Fight Club meets uh, the Foot Fist Way in terms of masculinity uh, once and uh, also uh, budget-wise. Uh, <laughs> Fight Club is a very visual David Fincher movie. Yeah, right. Uh, but twists, there's twists to this movie, and Foot Fist Way is a very funny Jody Hill, Danny McBride karate joint, which is great. I love Foot Fist Way. Um, but yeah, it's really is like felt like those two movies coming together. A little hat tip to the audience: the, the trailers out there, you can see the trailer. They, I would say, this movie did a great job of putting all the um, trailer jokes uh, in the first half of the movie. Mm. So like when the second half came, it's like, oh wait, you just burned through all the stuff that I thought was it's funny stuff in the trailer. Um, so now you're like, can actually watch and be surprised by right, a pretty right. uh, thoughtful movie that lets those uh, themes arise and tackles them in a very fun, satirical way. Uh, yeah, well, I have some stuff to say this movie, but I would always like to just say that it does rest a lot on Mr. Jesse Eisenberg. Who yeah, is definitely. I mean, he's in actor. like every scene more or less, or is maybe literally yeah, in every they scene. They sold it behind him, uh, and he really like, brings a lot to it he uh it, there's a very arc to this story uh, to the story to the movie um it, but he gets to bring a lot of like nuance and uh just really really fun line readings to the movie in general he's just very weird and i mean obviously you could say this about any movie but with particularly with this film i would say having a different lead actor would make it a completely different film and you know we can talk about whether we think it works or not i would say i feel like it works pretty well yeah, but yeah. with uh it relies on him right i mean it's he has this thing where he's like you can watch him get abused, but you kind of don't feel sorry yeah. for him. You know, like you're kind of like, you're not like good, but you're kind of like, well, you kind of deserve it. Like he has some kind of quality. It's like that old kids in the hall sketch where it's like the person you can't stop punching, you know? <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting. You were talking about movies that kind of it brought to mind, like worlds coming together. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one that I thought of, I mean, and this is like not super deep, but it's like Napoleon Dynamite because it takes place oh, in this yeah. like. Rex Quando. Okay. Now watch this, everybody. Grab my arm, the other arm, my other arm. Okay, now watch this. I'm just gonna break the wrist and walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. Jeez. Okay, it's just that simple. Well, it's just the way that it's this heightened kind of cartoony mm -hmm. universe that is full of like tests and rewards for the kind of people that know how to navigate it. Uh, which I feel like is a lot of what this movie's like. I mean, visually and in, especially in some of the early dialogue, yeah, it's very like broad you know the the dog food says dog food mm -hmm. on it um, uh, like nicole Napoleon, napoleon dynamite uh it's very character based uh, and those characters are so over the top but so performed uh in napoleon dynamite's case more dryly or in this case it's more like in an alienated way mm -hmm. uh, which is those two words are very are kind of connected no, but I, I mean in <laughs> both yeah, ways it's, it's like someone who's kind of disconnected yes, from yes, the real yes, world yeah. but it's like I mean, in some parts of this movie, it's played for comedy, you know, and there are some, you know, I call it a black comedy. There are great things in it. Like when he played, 
when he checks his answering machine, it oh, says yeah. he, you only have one message or you have just one message. And then at the end it goes, you don't have any more messages. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty There's funny. There's just like a little like leaps from uh, reality, which, uh, the characters are not really attached to any reality, I mean, too, so, it kind of, so it all works. One of my favorite scenes is that scene where he buys a handgun, and uh, he says to the guy, oh, I'm looking for a gun, but I want it to be about the size of my hand. And the guy goes, sounds like you're looking for a handgun, yeah. <laughs> which is like, it was just so stupid. I really, really enjoyed that. There's a lot of, like you said, male dysfunction, toxic masculinity, and this is the Jesse Eisenberg take on those things, which is to say uh, it's more ironically detached and there's a lot of uh, neuroticness to the character uh like his character wants to be this alpha uh right. and in his journey to get to being there we see all like the hesitation and frustration that goes into that and that's why i think he's a very good in this movie mm-hmm. uh, uh he does a lot of brings a lot of, like the the self-loathing that again that, yeah you're right that makes you just like oh fuck this guy too <laughs> yeah exactly uh, like there's like little specific beats to that that Jesse, who's a very underrated comedic actor, uh, brings uh, like the way he has a little wiener dog in this movie. He like uh, tries to scold it too, like to be a little t- to be, to be a tough guy. He scolds his little wiener dog. Yeah, he comes home after his first karate class and he says to the dog, "I'm not going to be petting you anymore. Yeah, it's for your own good to toughen you up." <laughs> um, like uh, like I said, the uh, way he says certain lines, uh, they ask him his favorite genre of music, and the way he says adult contemporary is like one of those things that's very impossible to emulate it's a very and jesse eisenberg way of saying adult contemporary what's his face the uh alessandro nivola oh yeah says back to him that's not masculine enough <laughs> you like metal now <laughs> i mean yeah what we haven't talked about i mean not to oh go please ahead. no was alessandro nivola so he plays the sensei of this dojo who is like very caring but also ridiculously weird and also very menacing oh yeah um it very much reminded me of uh, like an '80s villain, like uh, the Cobra Kai leader. Well, I mean, right? He's yeah. the leader of a dojo like, in a but, suburb. So, and to both those characters, there's like a vapidness or like just a one-track mindedness about your karate, which is kind of just like, okay, you're teaching kids, uh, <laughs> but also, but in this case, Sandro's chasing adults, uh, but still like very, okay, this is a weird job you have. And you're taking it crazy seriously. Well, yeah, it has um, this thing that's not to interrupt, but like you're um, the. with him and with Jesse Eisenberg, it's like they seem ridiculous. Oh, very ridiculous, yeah. Until they do something that's genuinely violent and scary, which I think is true to real life. Like, violent people are ridiculously stupid. Like, there's a guy who, there was an article about today, the guy that was sending these bombs to journalists and politicians. He was like, lived in a van and was a strip club DJ and watched Fox News all day and worked out and took steroids. But he was like 60 years old. And I'm sure if, and he had a really stupid haircut. And I'm sure if you saw him, he would seem ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But then he like mailed a bunch of bombs to people, you know? Oh yeah, so it's like all this ridiculous character stuff, like, um, He's a karate instructor. He, uh, yeah, just worships his uh, mentor. He has really these really weird rules to his dojo. And then that's like tip of the iceberg stuff. And as we like learn more about him, like, oh, this dude, motherfucker, is a dark, dark yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which there is, I'm not going to spoil lots it, but hey, turns, guys, it, yeah, it, gets, it, gets, it gets really dark. Yeah. Uh, what kind of is like this weird romp of uh, comedy just starts, like, just turns bleak, bleak. And they do let you know that it's going to be bleak because uh, he gets, as Casey is attacked, it's pretty violent the way he gets attacked. They, like, stomp his face a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they stomp his face a little bit, and there are later scenes because it's a karate dojo. I'm not giving anything away to say there are karate fights. Yeah. And they do not 
stop where you might expect a fight to stop. Like if somebody, you know, taps out or passes out, they continue to be hit like mm-hmm. a lot. Um, um, when I say Casey, I'm referring to Eisenberg's character's name is Casey Davies, which they regard as a feminine name. Too feminine. Uh, yeah. I think my favorite little funny bit they did is, um, so he becomes a yellow belt and he gets like, really excited and just wants to wear a belt every day. He wants <laughs> to wear they, a like, yellow belt. They like yeah. take, that's like a little through line in the movie where they like actually make belts and like he hands out everyday belts for everyone. They, everyone loves that they're wearing their special colored belts. And Alessandro is like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Now I can always feel yeah. like a black belt, but his belt is a black belt. Yeah. It's just a normal looking belt. <laughs> and they always know? refer to it as like everyday life. Like, okay, that's really, really weird. Um, also, the funniest bit is when uh, when he starts listening to metal music. It's like the introduction to New Casey, uh, and so he, like he's at work, uh, he's b- trying on Smug for the first time. He has boobs on the screen of his computer. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a great thing where there's a magazine. There's a oh, some yeah. of his broy coworkers have like a porn magazine, but the name of the porn magazine is t- Top five best breasts yeah. or like that's what it says on the cover of it um yeah it's the production design of this movie is like kind of quaint because uh, it has to be more obvious like you said he has an answering machine uh the computer is a little bit older too so it's not like a 2000 set in 2019 movie it's like a weird nondescript time which well, see, is adds to uh like not as woke the characters can be right uh, which is makes sense because there mean, are a lot of dumb males at a dojo <laughs> I liked so from a, like a filmmaking point of view and like as a viewer I enjoyed that it was set in this kind of like nowhere 90s yeah. time where there's like local TV commercials for karate dojos and it's like kind of 90s and answering machines but I will say from like a sort of from a different point of view I, I think it's a little cowardly of um the Riley writer, Stern Riley Stern's the writer and director to set it in that time period because obviously this is a mo- a movie that is responding to this contemporary moment that has to do with like YouTube and social media where alienated men are finding like joining kind of groups whether that's you know right-wing terrorist groups or al-Qaeda or whatever but it's like you feel disaffected and I'm going to give you somewhere to belong and then you that's kind of turned into violence you know Mm -hmm. so i think that is what the movie's about but then by he sets it in some like made up time period and nobody ever uses a computer you know yeah it's more like a dig i wish that he had really gone for it you know and been like this is like he should have found the dojo on youtube you know what i mean like he should have been watching that sensei's videos or Um, something maybe this movie couldn't have worked as well in uh, a more modern time. Yeah, modern time. Um, we could talk about the one female character's movie uh, oh, played yeah. by Imogen, Imogen Poots, who's Poots. great. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite movies is Green Room. She looks very different than she yeah. looks in other movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's in Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. Very different from yeah. that. Uh, just oh, a great actress. Kind of like the version of her that's in Green Book. It's like yeah, Green, Green Room. Book, Green, Green Room. room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would very much agree with that. Very uh, like again, one of the few women in that movie. Uh, but yeah, tough as hell. Um, she's great. I mean, she's actually really, really good. At I really movie. like that. Uh, yeah, she's in this movie, but there's no love story at all, which is great. Like, uh, we don't need love stories in movies. Uh, don't rate, don't rate a woman. To just there be a is love this interest. weird kind of homoeroticism in the movie. And then <laughs> we're introduced to her character kind of in that moment. And you're like, Oh wait, so are all these guys about to have sex with each other? And he has to have sex with her. Like that's kind of, cause they're like, Oh, oh yeah. we're all giving each other rub down and it looks very sexual. Massage. Yeah. But it's these guys giving each other. One massages. guy does get naked. And yeah. And they're naked. Life. It looks very much look like they're about to have sex. And then they lead him to like a steam room and they're which like, is the women's locker room, which we don't know at the time. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you have to go in the room with this woman. And he's like, I'm sorry. I know her hands aren't going to be as good mm-hmm. as a man's hands. And you're like, this is, 
is this sex talk or is this not sex talk? And it, you know, turns out not to be. But like, it is very, you have a mm-hmm. moment where you think, oh, he's going to have, he's going to be forced to have sex with her. Mm-hmm. In a lesser movie uh, that would have been a love interest or they would have cast a man just to be like his friend, uh, his other one friend I'd like to point out, uh, Henry, who gets his arm broken. Oh, uh, that's, cool? uh, that's a spoiler. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, but I just like to point out that that's played by David Zellner, uh, one of our great directors right now oh, with his what, brother. What else did he do? What uh, he he directed uh, Goliath, which is about a cat. Uh, Kamiko, the treasure hunter. Mm. Uh, that great movie um, recently, Damsel with Robert Pattinson. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, he also produced the movie I saw. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, another thing I liked about the art of self-defense uh, is it's not just like... a. Not a straightforward story at all, in the sense that it's he's not leveling up to belt to belt. Like, oh, look at him rise above the ranks. He's right. like yellow belt. He gets a yellow time. belt, and yeah. that's it. That, that's the end of it. I mean, he doesn't. Yeah, it's not know. a. It's a very just like a good. Uh, throws you for enough loops, but I did. I will say I did telegraph it a bit, so uh, I won't spoil it. But like, it's easily you could kind of telegraph as Casey's first uh, when he gets beat up initially in the opening of the movie. Towards the opening of the movie, all the. Uh, assailants are wearing it's kind of easy to guess who the assailants are they don't show their faces so like hmm will that come up because it's pretty i don't know yeah right yeah, and sorry. one of them is maybe like noticeable noticeably smaller than the other ones yeah. and maybe seems like not as aggressive and you're like oh hmm okay but it does throw you, you for enough little uh loops and turns and uh just very confident filmmaking and great performances in it really carries I mean it's movie. really interesting because um you know I looked up the director Riley Stearns Riley I hadn't Stearns, really heard yeah. of him before and I think you know from what Faults, I can man. tell I, I I have not seen Faults Faults is good okay I was gonna say mostly he seems notable because he was married to Mary Elizabeth Winstead who was in Star of Faults exactly she was the star of everything he ever did because I think yeah. it wouldn't have gotten made Cup otherwise. was a short film he made uh Fault is really good. Mary Elizabeth Winsett, who you might know from things like uh, Cloverfield, Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Ten Cloverfield Lane, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, that movie where she's drunk the whole time with Jesse uh, Jesse Pinkman. Oh yeah, and then there's also she's in that show that uh, Brain Dead, which if, if anyone watched that, where alien ants eat the brains of politicians. Oh cool. Um, she was supposed to be in this movie, but then they got divorced. Oh really? Yeah. She was gonna have the Imogen Boots part, is that? I would assume so, yeah. That's so funny. Well, I wonder if so. Wait, if they got divorced, does that mean like she didn't want to do it anymore, or he didn't want her or in it anymore? Or she just got too famous, or he's. It's funny because I feel People like get divorced she's really, for many different reasons. I feel like she is famous, but then I was looking like more famous than him by a lot. But then I was looking at her IMDb, and I'm like, well, she hasn't actually really done anything in like years. Hmm. She probably has. We just don't. We're, I was we're looking lacking. at her IMDb. Oh, she was in, in a movie past year where she's a stand-up comedian all about Nina. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I did not. Shout, sure. shout out Jamie Loftus. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Riley Stern Faults is a good movie. It uh, starred Leland Oy- Orser, uh, who's a character actor. He's been acting in like TV shows since the 90s. Uh, great actor. He had a cameo in uh, this movie we were talking about, The Art of Self-Defense. Uh, as the detective, uh, detective show that he watches mm-hmm. uh, with my uh, with my friend uh, Josh Fadem is also in that scene. Um, you got anything else you want to say about this flick, dog? Boop, 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 boop. I folded my paper. Basically, you know, it, it is it is a it is the rare film that is both I would say genuinely funny, genuinely disturbing, and does have a message about 
masculinity and society and politics. Yeah, it, um, it's a very solid film. And it's very, very watchable. I mean, you will read some reviews, like I think in The New Yorker, where they go on a bit about how, you know, distasteful or brutal it is. I think, no, I was like David Edelstein, maybe in New York Magazine, really hated it. But um, I didn't, I did not find it to be particularly brutal. I mean, there is a couple of graphic violence scenes, but they're pretty restrained. I mean, after fucking doing Midsommar, like, oh, yeah. it, they're it's, very it's restrained compared to Midsommar. Um, like, you can definitely I would say handle it. you're tolerance for this movie is how much you tolerate uh, Jesse Eisenberg in general. Uh, yeah, definitely. Cause that's the main thing yeah, you have to uh, do. Very like, and just like th- speaking of people's uh, careers, I, I looked at his uh, little uh, flight path a little bit. Uh, what a, what a varied uh, resume this young man has. Oh, he's like our age. Uh, this, this young actor is comparatively young for uh, actors. Like he has an Oscar nomination under his belt, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I'll run through it real quick. Uh, he had a, uh, Started out as a young cryptic ingenue, uh, Roger Dodger, Squid and the Whale, uh, that film that Fred Durst directed, uh, which is called The Education of Charlie Banks, which people forget about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of turned into uh, the drama version of Michael Sarah with uh, Adventureland and The Hunting Party. Uh, then like, wait, this actor's great. Let's cash in on the talent. He had Zombieland. He had Social Network. got an Oscar. Uh, he was a bona fide movie star at that point. He did... Uh, the voice of the blue parrot yes. Rio. Rio, yes. Uh, he starred in a very weird comedy called 30 Minutes or Less. Uh, and he finally played Woody Allen in uh, To Rome with Love. And then he did that ensemble magic mid- robbers movie, Now You See Me. Those are bona fide now movies. Now You See Me. Big Those movies. are big time yeah. successful movies. Right after that, went to get that indie cred, worked with Kelly Reichardt on Night Moves, which is dope. Uh, Richard I. Waddy's The Double, which is dope. Uh, that movie of, is really good and genuinely yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, End of the Tour, uh, which is great. I like that movie. Uh, Walking Triers and uh, Louder Than Bombs. Uh, and then, you know, uh, he's at uh, Indie <laughs> Credit. He's Luther a movie star. In, uh, yeah, Batman, Superman, Superman. We're entering Dawn of the uh, playing with their perception of him, uh, which is the Lex Luthor. Uh, this movie, I would say, would fall in that category. Uh, There's like American Ultra that's stoned. Yeah, American Jason Ultra. Born. I was about to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which fuck that movie because Max Landis wrote it. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Me but that movie is kind of yeah. good. It's uh, a great diehard. It was not at all what I was expecting because I thought it would be more of a comedy. It's just an action. Yeah, movie, it's I would uh, say. it's diehard, but uh, the the building's a small town. It's great. He can't <laughs> leave. A, like they write that he can't leave the small town. Well, that asshole writes he can't leave the small town. <laughs> Can I tell you? I actually did bring up uh, John Landis killing people with a helicopter oh, to yeah. Fred North, we- and he said. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he also did another Woody Allen movie, and now you see me too, blah, blah, blah. So that's where we are with him right now is playing with our perception. Uh, upcoming, he has a Zombieland sequel coming out, which is kind of cool, I think. But it'll, also, probably, it'll probably be fun. Yeah, but also I'm excited about this. I just read about this today. Uh, he's playing the lead in the biography of Marcel Marceau. Really? Yes. Really? Yes, right? He's going to do a whole mime movie. So it's about Marcel Mousseau, so I think it's not exactly... He's not going to be miming, miming the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's very interesting. If he's not miming the whole time, Caleb, I'm going to be furious. At least uh, 60% of this movie better be him be miming. Be miming. Be miming. And be miming. And now I could talk about Alessandro Navolo, who... Sure, who we didn't talk about at all, yeah, but he is very, very good, good in this, fun in this and movie. He's, he's a major, major part yeah, of the movie. Yeah, he is. Uh, that's maybe his little bit of M.O. is just how he is like a major part of the movie, but just is so much a pillar of it that it's such a support that the movie can just exist and other well, actors can be great around him. And I think he's what, great, too. I think what he does really well in this movie and in the next movie we're going to talk about, Junebug, is that he... Um, 
He's very attractive. He's very conventionally mm-hmm. attractive, and he's got kind of a charisma, so you're drawn to him, but then he's empty. He's blank. Yes. He has no level below the initial level where you meet him, and the way that he plays people that are like that, who are real people, it's fascinating mm-hmm. um, because it's so convincing. Um I will just throw out two movies real quick of him that I really enjoy. Uh, his first movie, uh, Face Off. Face Off is a, a pantheon, Hall of Fame. Everyone, go watch Face Off. It's great. Best way to spend two hours, watch Face Off. Uh, I, wow, Caleb, is that your recommendation on this Good Movies podcast? The dude, best way you could spend two hours is watching Face Off? Everyone loves Face Off. I can't believe Yeah, I, I love it, too. That's great. Um, I read that he got a blockbuster Entertainment Award nomination for his role in Face Off, which is great. That fucking rules. Uh, that fucking and rules. Blockbuster even had an award show. Uh, but then also, after, they were the biggest name in entertainment yeah. for a very long time. Uh, and then from Blockbuster Award nomination, he was in this uh, tinier movie called Laurel Canyon. Uh, he got an Independent Spirit Award nomination for that. So that's this guy's rage. That's so funny. Yeah, he can do it all, dog. He can do it all. Yeah, and uh, I would say we talked about a lot of what to pick because he's a, again a character actor. Uh, we landed on Junebug, which is a great movie, and we're going to talk about it. So now. I want to know everything there is to know about you. I want you to tell us every little thing. God, that would be so boring. Not to me. Were you born in Chicago? I was born right here. lived here my whole life. My favorite animal is the meerkat. Did you ever try out for cheerleading or anything? I tried out, but I didn't make it. I was born in Japan. You are not. An odd and earnest look at contemporary Southern culture, Junebug is the story of a family's golden boy, George, our man Alessandro, coming home to visit when his art dealer wife becomes enraptured with a local outside artist. The family welcomes home their prodigal son while meeting his European wife for the first time. Um, amongst the family is George's brother's wife, Ashley, who is both extremely naive and talkative and extremely pregnant. Ashley here is played by Amy Adams, and this was the first and maybe best of her Oscar nominations. As the family meets the outsider, uh, played by M. Beth Davids, uh, we see the emotions unfold and emerge, uh, emotions such as admiration, jealousy, uh, in ways that are both felt and unspoken, uh, plenty of themes of family, art, religion, painting a picture of small town life. Chris, have you watched this movie recently? I have, Caleb. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I mean, at first, one of the interesting things to say about the movie. I mean, speaking of directors who are obviously like talented, but film you know, have done a you know, a weird selection of stuff. I thought it was fascinating. You know, I was looking up Phil Morrison, yeah. the director afterwards, that he mainly was doing like UCB. UC, yeah, he did like every episode of the UCB TV yeah. show or almost every episode, uh, which is amazing. And that he was also did a lot of like music video stuff, like for like Super Chunk and Sonic, Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth, yeah, go. Yeah, so this movie's from 2005, but it definitely does have this like 1990 and 1990s alternative culture vibe. The other thing you will notice that he directed, Caleb. Yeah. Pete and Pete. He directed yeah. an episode of Pete and Pete. I did. It was the episode where uh, little Pete plays dodgeball and big Pete has to study uh, for a test during lunch. Uh, and that's notable because it was one of the first times I was really grossed out as a kid because they say, when you fail a test, she makes you look at her legs and they show his teacher's legs and they're super veiny and gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> and then they're like, one time, uh, it, 
uh, we figured out that it looks like the interstate highway map, and then they added a new uh, road highway to it, new freeway, and then she had a new vein that popped up on her leg. <laughs> Pete and Pete. But so it does have both, I would say, the style and the preoccupations of that kind of like 90s alternative culture where it's like it has a very loose vibe and a very like open rhythm. There's lots of kind of long shots where like nothing particularly much is happening, where people even aren't talking, you know, where they're just kind of existing around each other. And, you know, you're talking about how she, the main character, owns an art gallery. Or not the main character, but um, the, I mean, she's, who would you say is the yeah, main and, character? Right, that's a, another power about this movie. Like we said, he's Alessandro is always uh, like a quiet dignity to his roles. Uh, like he is I like wouldn't say the, quiet I say like emptiness. Like he's like empty. There's, a, there's dignity to emptiness. <laughs> uh, but he is the connective tissue in this movie, but he kind of disappears. Uh, and... It's clearly not Amy Adams who is like, who is so fucking magnetic. I mean, she we'll got get an to Oscar that. nomination we'll, we'll get to that. for but this like, movie. Yeah, uh, it's not the parents who are more just quiet, stoic, religious people. Uh, yeah, I would say that maybe M. Beth Davids is uh, her character's name is Madeline would be the yeah, lead. Kind of, she's the lead, I guess. Uh, she's yeah. like the inciting incident why they go down there because she's trying to find this outside right. artist. Um, but then it's like his family. Yeah, so then it's like, just like her playing off the family. And it's uh, basically like her and Amy Adams are the main yeah. characters, like the way they interact with each other. And even uh, uh, Ben McKenzie's, uh, which is uh, oh, Ashley's yeah. husband, uh, plays a very big He's role. Like He's like a real yeah. shithead, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, just very quiet, you know, mm-hmm. and doesn't like Ashley very much. Yeah, uh, she's pregnant and it's, that's like they're trying to save their marriage. thing. <laughs> no. There is a very sweet scene where... Uh, he knows her favorite animal is meerkats. And during her uh, baby shower, he sees that there's meerkats on TV. So he starts yelling her name and trying to record it. Oh my God, it was so funny. <laughs> and that was his like idea of being sweet is interrupting her <laughs> baby shower, trying to fi- film meerkats on TV on Animal Planet. But so, you know, um, talking about M. Beth Davids' character having an art gallery and, you know, it's like the movie is preoccupied with these ideas about, you know, what is what is life? What is success? You know, what are the goals that we should have in our lives? Mm-hmm. And what's, you know, to w- what extent are things fake and to what extent are things real? These are all things, especially alternative people, could not stop thinking about in the 1990s. And I would say no one ever, ever thinks about now. Like, not at all. Oh, yeah. Um, but this idea of like if I move to the big city, which is Chicago in this case, where I just came back from, I mean, it's a big city, but you know, (laughs) fine. It's a big city. Um, but they act like it's like, I don't know, you know, like Rome on the moon, but they're like, Oh, Chicago. Oh my God. But anyway, can you go off to the big city and be a success? But does that make you a phony in some Uh, way? You know, are, are the family that you abandoned your real life? Is that who you really are or who are, are you nobody? If you try to reject that, that's kind of where I think that's like the emptiness with Alessandro Navolo is it's like, he's, rejecting this family and trying to be a different person but does that mean he is no one you know commitment to the family uh your birth family versus your chosen family uh and there is a lot of stuff that comes up like uh this is their first time she's down there meeting his family they i think like the they only were married like six months at this point like it was like a very yeah, and they only known romance. each other for yeah. like a week before yeah, the opening they got scenes and like making eye contact at a party. Uh, yeah, it's a very whirlwind thing. So he's meeting them for the first time. And like, she also learns about like how religious he was or his things. There's like a really sweet scene where he sings in church. But it's like kind of like you're like as the viewer and at seeing it through her eyes, you're like, this is weird. Yeah. Oh, it's very, wait, yeah. But 
I guess it's sweet. I guess this is cool, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, a lot of stuff with family comes up, especially uh, a, they have a very talkative pregnant woman who uh, is probably like the only one that really talks in that family, which is a my segue into talking about how great Amy Adams was in this movie. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, Amy Adams is fantastic. She is like very annoying so like you understand why people are annoyed at her mm-hmm. but also she's so genuine and so like sweet mm-hmm. and you know i mean innocent in a certain way uh celia weston's mom is very protective takes care of her because mm-hmm. like, probably the only person that talks to her because uh her husband uh scott wilson great actor uh is very quiet and hardly says any words in this movie the whole movie. he carves a bird yeah. though um and her as we established ben mckenzie's uh I think his name is Johnny in this movie, uh, is very kind of emotionally abusive to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when these like George uh, and his new wife come down, she's like super excited and so taken aback by how fancy she is. Oh my God. And then yeah. later we learn that uh, she says to George in a very sweet scene at the end of the movie, like you're the one who always takes care of me. And that's towards the end of the movie. Cause that's right when George leaves again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. And I mean, it is funny because the movie, like we're still obsessed with these things that there's like red States and blue States and like Trump's America and liberal elites. But you know, the thing that everybody has forgotten that this movie remembers and lots of culture around this time remembers is we're all from the same family. Like people that live in the cities, you know, nine, you know, a huge percent of them, 90% of them or something moved here from somewhere else and have families that are back home that are like this. I mean, my family's not like this exactly. But kind of, mine kind of is. Yeah, well, I can imagine. I mean, what was it? Because like? your family is very religious. Yeah. I mean, was this what it was like when you brought Meredith home for the first time? Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a very fancy, skinny yeah. uh, art person. Uh, and I sing in church, which I totally do. Do you really? Do you sing in church? I do go to church when I'm home. But your family—that's not true. Your That's sister a lie. I don't is go a to church. Your sister is like a successful big city surgeon, right? Or a, not a surgeon, a doctor. Yeah, uh, doctor. She's an, she's an OB. Is she not an OB? a big city? Yeah, she's OBGYN. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Sharice. Um, but it is interesting because like that's something in our current moment of culture. Yeah. Or we if we talk about it, we talk about it like my dad's been driven insane by Fox News. It's an evil conspiracy to, you know, kill our parents or something. But it's it, you look at it less as like I'm a different type of person than these types of people, but we all love each other and we oh, find yeah. ways to connect. It's like that part of culture is dead nobody gives a shit about that anymore (laughs) which is really sad i mean i i I find a movie like this so much more true to life i mean yeah it reminds me of my real life of of, of growing up in a small town it felt like really real real dialogue in the movie yeah it feels like really real because people are like it felt like childhood you're right yeah yeah the things they say like kind of make sense but not a hundred percent and also a lot of times they seem lovingly annoyed at each other which is basically what it's like to be in a family oh yeah uh being uncomfortable when you go home uh always a thing yeah like a hundred percent a hundred percent a thing and just i there's a great shot in the you know one of the early the scene where uh amy adams is interrogating uh, um, madeline and beth davids and beth davids yeah exactly and it's a very cute scene and occasionally you know and beth davids is feeling very like doesn't quite know what to say or how far to go and they <laughs> cut to alessandro Navolo, who's just sitting in the dark yeah. in another room like looking at the newspaper or something he is just a lot of just removed in this which movie. is like it's kind of great i mean that is what it's like yeah. to go home i mean i there was a my mom used to say that is what my dad did. Like his, you know, uh, his parents were very old by the time I was old enough to remember stuff like this. But like, you know, his dad, his parents are in their seventies and my dad is in his like fifties. We go over to their house and he just sits down and starts reading the newspaper. And then they like cook for him. They clean for him. Uh, you know, they bring him dessert and they talk to him. 
And my mom would always be like, David, your parents are so old. I'm like, you have to help. You have to do things. Uh-huh. But it was just like you just fall into these roles, these family roles. You know what I mean? Like, oh, d- they probably totally. would have been offended to have him do that stuff. Yeah. You know, what they want to do is to provide for him, you know? And what he wants to do is sit down and not talk to anybody, you know? like <laughs> That's how we all want in life, just to be quiet and no one bother us. That's what that's like the whole idea of the suburbs. That's like <laughs> why the suburbs exist is like I just want to go live somewhere. I don't want anyone to bother me, but I also don't want it to be the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, but as close to the woods as we can get. Very authentic feeling movie down to uh the brothers Carolina Panthers gear all the time. There's a scene where like he's very like quiet and moody at home. He lives with his parents, his not getting along with his wife. Then he goes to work and he's like having a blast with his other workers, which is kind of just like very sweet. <laughs> ben McKenzie, I worry, I don't know where he's been if we're going over actors' arcs. Yeah, I, oh I my god, to, no, I have no idea. Yeah, he's from the OC, which is what we all remember him from—a show I didn't watch. Yeah, I, I really liked him in this either, movie. Yeah. Uh, and then he was in a couple cop shows. I actually have no idea. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yes, I it, hope he makes a comeback from this podcast. It's sweet, and it's also like um. It's almost like you like it, like it kind of makes you feel guilty or something if you're like you're living with your family feelings, and you're not yeah. you're not enjoying it, but then you like it's, have some part of your life you really like. This it's, movie it's like really you feel sneaks bad up on about you. that. Yeah, you know? it sneaks up with a lot of feelings, uh, uh, which I think they got the perfect band to write the score for it. It's not a lot of score to this movie, but yeah. it does come in, and it's Yola Tango, uh, one oh, of our so great mo- uh, modern bands. Again, because of I'm sure because of oh, the yeah, director's Phil, connection, yeah, Phil, yeah, yeah, right to these like. It's classic 1990s mm-hmm. indie culture. I will say, uh, just to point out, just because I really like this, uh, when they fir- the people who discover the outside artist are uh, it's three nice little cameos from people I love. Uh, Matt Besser, who's in UCB. Right, of so, course. Uh, yeah. Jerry Miner, who is just one of the funniest people in the world. And uh, Will Oldham. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, really nice little cameo. I do love that Matt Besser is in this movie. I yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, I mean, uh, how oh, can not Also, the art itself is like very weird. It's uh, Confederate soldiers with their dicks out. It's very crude. <laughs> it's very weird. It's kind of awesome. An, she has an outsider art gallery. Yeah. So her, it's funny because in a way you would think she would be really good at this thing because her whole job is to argue with lunatics yeah. and then like get money from them. Like how in the world could you ever do that? <laughs> you know, it seems extremely difficult. Um, so you'd think, I mean, because a lot of the movies about her feeling a little awkward around the yeah. family and around the artist, but like, isn't this her whole job? Isn't yeah. this what she does like all day, every day? Is like she talks to insane weirdos and is like, "Yeah, let me bring your art to the big city." Now you she's know? related to those weirdos. I mean, it's true. Now it's, it's you can't be separated from it. You, uh, you have to be a little bit more your genuine self. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen Junebug, we just probably talked you into it. We really like yeah, Junebug. Um, so should we move on to the crucial part of yes, this show? Yes, I think people can guess from my last sentence. Actually, what, what are your actually best actually choices? best choice movie? Uh, art of self defense. Versus Junebug, I'm going Junebug. You know, it's a real tricky one for me. Caleb. It's very tell me, dis- tell me disparate why. movies. Tell me your thinking. Well, there's uh, uh, a lot of depth to. There is to uh, Junebug, Junebug yeah. uh, and it's very much a almost an art pastiche of the of Southern culture too, in a way. No, oh, definitely. Uh, and if you even look at it uh, between. Uh, like cinematic importance, like don't hold a candle because this is Amy Adams' breakout role. Like Amy Adams is like, she was in like some stuff before this movie, but like, boom, Oscar nomination. She won a couple like indie, uh, she won Indie Spirit. Uh, And then after this, boom, boom, boom. Like she has six Oscar nominations now. Like it really started with this movie. Yeah, right. Uh, She is one of our our great movie stars. I mean, she really is. And she's, I mean, she's, she's not just a great movie star. She's a great 
like film actress. Yes. Like she's very, very good at acting on film. Yeah. And I think the, you know, to watch this film is just to watch someone who is fantastic at their craft do it. You know, and I would say the caveat is that it's sort of like Meryl Streep in season two of Big Little Lies. Like you're watching a great actress be a character that's, you know, not necessarily pleasant to be around. Like she is fun and sweet, but you, I could, it's very tiring. You yeah. know, it's very tiring. Which is the point, and that's why it's great. Um, but was she in that same movie uh, that he played Lex Luthor in? Was she? She was Lois yes, Lane. Yes, oh. yes. So that's another connection. There's a connection. Um, so for me, it's a real tough one because I think I totally agree with you. I think Junebug is in a lot of ways the better film and is very deep and has a lot of interesting stuff to say about, you know, humanity, like I was saying. But, you know, Art of Self-Defense is like, it's funny, it's violent, it's a little bit more contemporary. Uh, so it, I would say they scratch very, very different itches. Um, but if I just had to recommend one, yeah, I guess I, I guess I would go with Junebug also. It's, it's a better, it's a better movie. It's a better movie. Did you make that decision like as you're talking? I did. I really, I honestly couldn't decide. I was about to say both. I was going to say like, if you're in the mood for something a little bit, if you're in the mood for something a little funnier or a little bit like you don't have to pay attention to as much. You could definitely go with the art of self-defense. It's funny. And I mean, if you're somebody who wants to go to the movie theater right mm-hmm. now, like go check it out if it's playing mm-hmm. anywhere near you. I hope Riley Stern keeps making movies. I hope Phil Morrison yeah, me too. will come back he and make yeah, movies. He hasn't, made, he hasn't made a movie since like 2014. Yeah, he made the Paul Giamatti Christmas movie. Where he must he sells be like trees. directing commercials or something. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did say in my intro that uh, this was possibly Amy Adams' best Oscar nomination. Uh, her actual best Oscar nomination <laughs> is for Doubt. Okay, I actually never saw Doubt. I never Ooh, saw buddy, Doubt. we're gonna do Doubt next week, guys. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, that <laughs> maybe we will, maybe we won't. Only one way to find out, and that's to tune in next time on Actually Best Choice Movies. It's two weeks in the future. Turn in, turn it in, turn, turn, turn. Anyway, you every. know that's the whole show, dudes. Everything's cool. You're cool. I'm cool. It looks cool. Like, thanks so much for tuning in. This is an extended goodbye. Goodbye. I love y'all.